Okay. Hi. Hi. Okay. I welcome back to me, my parents, and Liam Neeson. <laughs> uh, Dad decided it was more important to be somewhere where it's not as cold. I think he's working and making money. <laughs> sure, that's what he tells you. He I believe him. It was negative all of the degrees here recently. It was cold, and but you know everybody in the country thought that their place was cold. So yeah, I know. I mean, it was right. it was only pretty cold. Uh, but we are here to talk about movies, and the movie we're talking about today is Before and After, which I pegged early on when I was making the list as this was going to be an interesting, dramatic film, and it was pretty interesting and dramatic. I think so. It was not a Wheel of Fortune game. It was not, nor a category in Jeopardy. It was not. I. Uh, this is 1996. Looked up the movies from that year. That was not a terribly good year for film. The English Patient... Stole the show. Stole the show. Nine awards. Fargo had the next at two. Uh, Fargo, my hometown. Jerry Maguire was in that mix. It was a... 96 was not a terribly amazing year for film. And this movie wasn't gonna... It wasn't terribly amazing. It wasn't gonna steal any shows. Uh, Meryl Streep's in it. She's really good. Mm -hmm. Uh, Has been nominated for a bunch of awards. I think she has the full EGOT of all of the four major awards, including a Tony. Which I think she got a Tony before she got her other awards. Because that was back in like 77. We would have to look that up. And I'm not going to. But Meryl Streep is... She was uh, nominated for awards in 95 and 98. Meaning an Academy Award for acting. An Academy Award for acting. Uh, So this film being kind of in the middle seems a little odd, because she was not at a point in her career when she needed to be in films that were not high, you know, that that weren't Oscar. That weren't, yeah, high caliber. But maybe this was, maybe she thought it was a fun project. And this was three years after Schindler's List. So Liam Neeson would have still been... I mean, if they, you think if they started filming this a year or two before, mm-hmm. this would have been pretty easy to go, hey, that guy was in a really good movie, let's get him. Right. Which is fine. Right. And Schindler's List was another dramatic movie. Mm-hmm. It was a fine fit. Right. Um, there's Alfred Molina's in this one. He's done a fair number of things. I mm-hmm. mostly remember him from Spider-Man. No, it was long before Spider-Man. Well, yeah, this was before Spider-Man. <laughs> not, that, that, not that long before it, actually. But True. Uh, in any case... I... So our traditional things we talk about, the zero to Neeson. The zero to Neeson on this one is about two minutes in because we need a few minutes of credits and establishing shots. Right. We start off... Well, we sure. also have the bookends of the whole movie, which is the the diary We Don't we see narration. him first before the diary, though? I thought we saw him first before the diary. I... Because then it's panning through the house and he is there to play chopsticks for. I, well, I kind of wonder, you know, I'd have to go back and watch. We'd have to watch the movie a second time. But I think that the, the narration voice. Was that during the establishing shots? I kind of think that the narration voice comes in during those establishing shots because we're really not sure exactly what's going on. You have no idea what's going on with this film. So the two minutes of establishing shots show us that this is a relatively small town because it's quintessential. Um, New Englandish America. We eventually get that it's New England. I was still tweaking that it was the Midwest just because I think only we do ice fishing. But, <laughs> Fooled uh, you there. Uh, but this had more brick buildings. Yeah. And here in the Midwest, our downtowns generally do not have brick buildings and town squares. Mm-hmm. And this had a town square. Yeah. It had the the cute little downtown area. So we get the small town thing. Then we see uh, Joey Extra out on the ice 
uh, with his auger ice fishing. We see a deer in wooded park area. And then we see a dead person. We see we see farmland. Yeah, and then a dead person. So the dead then, per- uh-huh. the dead person happens to be very important to this film. Mm-hmm. So it does after our two minutes, we get a requisite look at his Liam Neeson, and he is welding a big thing in his garage. It doesn't take us long after that to see that he that we go past a poster hanging up in his house for. It's an like art show, an in, art Dub- show in Dublin of you know his work. So all right, so, so it's okay if he, his Irish accent floats out a little bit. Mm-hmm. And this is oh, obviously he must be an artist. Yes, uh, he plays chopsticks poorly with his daughter, which whatever. pretty standard parent stuff. Mm-hmm. And the mom, Meryl Streep, is a doctor, uh, some kind of emergency doctor because she goes from. Doing a regular checkup with a kid. This is a kid that fell, and so she was looking for signs of concussion. Mm -hmm. And she was doing a very good job of being personable with this kid. Very Mm -hmm. good job. And then she goes to check in. No, they call her. The colleagues call her to come. They need her in the emergency room. And she gets there too late. Too late. This person has expired. Yep. And uh, she knew this person. She had uh, treated her before, Mm -hmm. which doesn't come up as a plot point, just that she knew her. Right. I figured that was going to be Chekhov's doctor checkup. But Mm -hmm. this girl, uh, super dead. (laughs) She's super dead. Well, and I know she could have been chopped up more. She could have been chopped up more. She had a thing. She had a hole in her face where her eye used to be. Right. So and it wasn't pretty. It wasn't, you know. But it wasn't. So she could have been chopped, she up, could have been more. chopped up more. I mean, there could have been chainsaws and axes and things like that, and there were none of those. Definitely weapons. not. Just the welding in the garage. But the welding didn't have anything to do with her death. Correct. Not yet. Kind of. <laughs> <laughs> we, we're going to promise to not tell y'all. How this ends, just in case you want to watch this movie. This because overall, this wasn't a terrible movie. It definitely wasn't. Uh, it's uh, for us here. It was four dollars on Amazon Prime, and I could mm-hmm. not find it in any of our libraries. And it's not on Netflix, so it's not a super popular movie. It's not a super popular movie. It's I, it's okay. It's okay. I mean, if you want a movie that you that you'll probably have never seen before and probably will never see again, it's worth a watch. Right. Anyways, I. Mom comes home. They're having mom and dad, you know, how was work? How was everything? La, la, la. Where's our son? <laughs> well, we need to decide how much of this movie are we really going to tell. Because well, if the people well, want to watch the this. Start, the start of the movie we can talk about because, I mean, that if you go on IMDb, it's going to tell you what this summary is anyways. Okay, so don't read the whole thing. Okay, we won't tell them everything. <laughs> They're looking for their kid. Yeah, because I think as a, perhaps more of a mystery movie... It does that, work better as a mystery as a mystery movie. So then that yeah. in that regard, I I, I say we can fun. go as far enough as to tell them what the premise is. Okay, I will let you say that, and I'll shut up. <laughs> <laughs> okay, okay, he just I have to tell you people. He just looked at me like that's never gonna happen. I yeah. can't get her to shut up. No, I can't. <laughs> uh, so they can't find their son, and they're like, "Where's our son?" Our son is always a good boy. He's not a sullen teenager at any point in his life. This is the most sullen teenager I've ever seen in my life. Except for that time when we were down in Nashville. That was when we started doing that. So here, uh, tune in next week when we talk about... Actually, let's just talk about it right now, because if we don't talk about this movie much, we're just, just going to want a tangent for a little bit. Okay. For some fun things you can do when you're out and about, uh, especially at tourist places and malls. Or, yes, downtowny mm-hmm. shopping areas. Ho- holiday times are also a very good time to do this. Perfect. What you want to do is you want to start the sullen teenager count. 
What you're looking for is children. Usually the younger kids will find some way to entertain themselves, but the teenagers, usually boys, but the girls can do it too, that just look done. We are so done with this. If they were younger, they would be feeling like it was nap time, but they're older, so they can't nap. So they are just done. They have the look of a Vietnam vet staring a thousand yards through a wall and just refusing to say anything and barely moving their body as they walk. Their only form of exercise is rolling their eyes. Exactly. And this started uh, when around Thanksgiving time when we were at a tourist trap. And I think outside we, of Nashville, I think we counted ten of these kids in easily a short time in period. a short time period. And the reason why I thought of this here is because the poor kid in this film, first time you see him, he is ten of those kids all at the same time. He's just done. I think that the young man that uh, portrayed Jake in this film, I think he was so good at portraying that kind of sullen teenager. That's what got him this job. Must have been. Um. Oh my god, do you know why he's in this film? A.K.A. the reason why people would have recognized him? No, you're going to tell me. I'm going to tell you. I have to scroll down because he's been in a lot of things. Not not many of them good. He's been Slasher little... movies? Yes, but not that. Uh, he was in American History X. Okay, that means nothing to me. Because uh, I'm a mom. He's... He was, he's listed as rumored... In a thing that doesn't really have a date, but the first thing he was in in his IMDb career yeah. is young John Connor in Terminator Two. Oh my! Hmm. Yep. Well, he has a good agent then. Yep. That was five years before. That was nineteen ninety-one. Sure. So after that, so they got some they got some bigger name people to be in this show. Yeah, this was definitely not. So, I mean, a small pr- it, it, I think the acting overall was okay. Yeah. I mean, I think the 13-year-old sister, you know, she's a 13-year-old. How do you get a 13-year-old to sometimes be uh, uh, not so stiff? Yeah, she, has, she hasn't done so much. Mm-hmm. Um, this, but, was, this was her second film, the, the daughter. And so she's anyway. mostly done little stuff, and she's also a musician now. Mm-hmm. I... Well, young man in the film, he did a fabulous job of portraying mm-hmm. a sullen teenager. And me, the mother of four sons, some I have of which a, I, were, some of which were sullen, or no, they were all sullen, just to varying degrees. <laughs> exactly. You know, Dan, not the most sullen. No. I'll just give you that little tidbit out there in podcast land. Yay. Dan, not the most sullen of I'll the take teenagers. It. Take the win. So anyway. But- it's, um, the, the haircuts. The hair, the, I had some of, I didn't think I had all of those haircuts. But. <laughs> I definitely had the little kids haircut, so, not, so, the, not the cool kids haircut. You did not have the cool kids haircut, but no. in 1996, you probably had that haircut. I probably did. Yeah. And then Dan said that I probably had that Meryl Streep haircut and you in did. 1996, and oh wait, I did. <laughs> Your dad did not have the, the, Liam, um, Neeson the Liam Neeson haircut. It was because your dad it was never, longer in the back. Your dad would never let his hair grow longer no. in the back, and he had a better mustache. Patrick has always had a better mustache. Well, I don't know. Alfred Molina's mustache was pretty good in this one. That was fabulous. That was a very good. That was a math teacher mustache right there. And he had his tie tucked into his trousers. I love that. Mm-hmm. Okay, I he, digress. He was a very good stuck-up lawyer. Uh huh. He was a very confident. I don't think that he was stuck up. No. He was very confident in his 
skills to overwhelm the un- enemy. Yes. Mm-hmm. And he was beset on all sides by his clients. There we go. That's it. <laughs> by his own clients. Uh-huh. So this one is going to end up short if we don't want to talk about it very much. It might be a little short, but I think that's okay unless we digress into some other All right. Well, how much thing? more of the plot do we want to talk about then? Um, how much? Well, <laughs> I, well, I was leaving that up to you. Okay. And so maybe this one is going to be a little shorter. We can talk about the peril scale. We do need to talk about the peril scale a bit because this is definitely going to test the boundaries of is stress peril. Because Mm -hmm. I think that the imposing stress of things happening drives a lot of Liam Neeson's character. There is a Mm -hmm. lot of... He is driven purely by expectations of bad things happening. Now, those bad things are not physical peril necessarily there was one incident one incident two-thirds three-quarters of the way yeah. into the film that but, was threatening bodily harm within 10 minutes he mm-hmm. is he is undergoing a lot of stress that is that is affecting the way his character acts and it doesn't let up for the rest of the film correct I so agree this that. is going to really test how much stress do you have to be in for it to become peril <laughs> Because if not, this is a one, and I really don't think this movie deserves to be a one. No, but it could, but there was some, I mean, there were people that were, there were other characters threatening or purportedly threatening Liam Neeson's character. Mm -hmm. Telephone calls, bricks through windows. Mm -hmm. Other spoilers. Other spoilers that we won't say because I said we shouldn't say. But I think that, so there was... I don't know that it was necessarily a one. Yeah. It's not going to be high because it's all mental peril, not physical, for the most part. And because he's not being shot at with automatic weapons. Yeah. There's no exploding helicopters in this This was before Liam Neeson had found his current stride of being shot at. Yeah, of being taken. We'll discuss taken later because that... We might need to. I can't believe that movie... Okay, I can believe it exists. I can. Because how many dumb movies are out there? We could talk about the storytelling in this film. We could talk about the storytelling in this film. I think film. maybe we should go there. Yeah, okay. We'll that will give us something to do. That will give us something to do. Okay. Oh, where dance do we start? Thi- dance thinking. I, I gotta... Where do you start? Well, we could start at the beginning. Because I do... Th- pause. I'm just looking at how long well, I paused there. Well, I do think that the... I did appreciate the, the uh, bookends of the... Uh, the diary, yes. you know, and that was a way to neatly package it up. And I'm, that's I'm not sure that it necessarily was the best way not. to do this movie, but it back, made it a neat package. Back to the way I like to write, I like doing that. I really do. Mm-hmm. I think it's a good way to make sure that people remember the start of your film, because mm-hmm. usually people just remember the bombastic ending or the dramatic ending. That's really uh, true. I wouldn't have remembered the beginning if I hadn't had that end mm-hmm. to uh, give it a nice, like, hardcover book ending. Yeah. Now, the two diary bits, I think, were too different for it to be a neat bookend. There was a line or two that were similar. But I think that Diary did talk about before and after. It did. So there was that. Mm -hmm. It also didn't help that the girl narrating the diary was as monotone as the actress whose name I cannot remember because she's so monotone. (laughs) It It was not a good reading. Well, because she's 13. Because she's 13. She was. Mm-hmm. But yeah, you can get better 13. Well, 
And I, don't, I don't know if it's, I should be saying you can get better 13-year-olds on the internet. I feel like that's going to put me on a list. You're going to be in a really bad place. So Dan didn't say that. I didn't say that, certainly. <laughs> uh, we've got every character, in, every main character of the four of this family in trouble are trying to out-care for and out-stubborn the rest of their family. In four different ways, mm-hmm. which is interesting, and they all managed to have their own little character arcs, some more than others, of course, but it did bear a striking resemblance to the way our family uh, acts from time to time, because we also try and outstubborn each other quite a lot. But I think that perhaps that's why this film would work, because it is four very different ways to handle the same situation. And as a viewer, you as a participant which, in the pick story... which one speaks to you the most. Uh-huh. Are you, you going to be, well, no, I don't want to say. Don't. <laughs> <laughs> but there were four very different ways, the way the father, the mother, the son, and the daughter mm-hmm. all handled the story, the situation, the way the facts unfolded. It was very different for each yeah. one of them. And the ending was, I don't want to call it, a wet fart. Everything got wrapped up neatly, neatly. Yes. With a bow, almost too quickly. Almost too, yeah. We, we you know, we, hit the brakes. Yep. Oh, we're going to skid a little bit. Oh, no, hit the brakes, stop. Yeah. Oh. You're, I'm reminded a bit of the new Fantastic Four movie, which you haven't seen because it's a superhero movie. Yeah, that's not my And favorite. I've only seen because it's a superhero movie. It's not good, kids. Don't watch it. But <laughs> that film also skidded to a stop very abruptly where you get to all right we've started to see that all of the main characters are finally on the same page Mm -hmm. and you think that is the point where you want the the dramatic ending to begin yes Mm -hmm. but you also want the dramatic ending to linger so we have a chance to see that action and we can process yeah so because uh, we're slow to to uh uh like star wars I didn't actually do that good of a job of it because everyone was together except Han Solo, and Mm -hmm. then he swooped in at the end. But all the other characters had sat down, and they had figured out that they were all going to work together. Then a climax happened, and the climax took a while. Mm -hmm. We had a chance to see the characters work together. In this film, the characters come together, and they do not have a chance to work well together. That's probably why it felt so abrupt, isn't it? Because all of a sudden, it was done. And we were we were finally ready to see, all right, they're together, and as a family, they can, why are we done? <laughs> exactly. And then we get this, you know, voiceover narration. Of the daughter reading the th- diary. Well, but she's 13. Yeah, so she's then 13. maybe that's, that's, that's realistic for a 13-year-old who is, is not good at dramatic reading, and that's yeah. obviously the way they directed her. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So... And that's why we feel the way we do. So there. Well, but I think that then, because there were those, you know, the four different ways of handling the same situation, then that that helped us as participants Mm -hmm. to... And they succeeded in having four different stories. We've watched... Mm -hmm. I've, I've definitely watched films where they try and tell too many stories at once. True. I think third person was close to that. Yeah. Where they were trying to tell too many stories and they didn't give any one enough time. Right. Whereas this one, they were able to tell more than one at the same time. Mm-hmm. You can have the mom and the dad both trying to solve the same problem at the same time. And what it would turn into is them basically talking over each other. Which meant, one, you can't understand what they're saying. Mm-hmm. Two, 
it's exactly what they would do. I didn't feel like it was them trying to do too much at once. It felt like a mom and a dad who both were sick of the other one trying to solve the problem for them. And they were like, no, this, I'm going to, I can do this. Mm-hmm. Right. And that, and in that regard, that felt like a, a very natural progression mm-hmm. in the story. So something that would happen here, for instance. Yeah, possibly. Maybe. Possibly. Recently, maybe. No. <laughs> no. No. No, because Patrick is someplace warm and we're not. Yeah, we'll make fun of him later. <laughs> okay. Uh, Dan's looking something up. I'm, I'm pulling up the spreadsheet. Oh, oh, because we, uh, cause we really have to assign a number. We really do. We do. Oh, yeah. I have a, a column on the spreadsheet for why is it important that we watch this one? Like, what's important about okay. it? So I'm just reading down here, boxing, scandals, I think he's a Nazi, more oh. scandals. And then on this one, my notes for importance of watch is murder with an exclamation point. Oh, yeah, because there was a murder. Because <laughs> there was murder. Mm-hmm. Or murder. Three, three after that is Star Wars with an exclamation point. <laughs> Two after that is Mafia with an exclamation point. I think I was on a roll when I made this spreadsheet. You mean with the exclamation points? Possibly, yes. Okay. Or, or you were just being Captain Obvious. Probably Captain Obvious. Okay, what are we calling this one? Two? Three? I'd go as high as three. Yeah, I mean, I, again, it's it's our age-old stress is not peril. This one had enough that I think it's not stress is not peril. It's stress uh, peril. <laughs> stress stress is a drip and peril is the bucket, and enough stress can fill the bucket. Mm-hmm. But stress by itself, just standard stress, mm-hmm. is not enough. Right. You need to have enough that it is turn that it turns into the fear of peril. Well, in this one, perhaps the character had enough stress that then I, as a viewer, felt like he was putting himself in a perilous situation. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, yeah. No, he so. definitely did some things that were perilous because of the stress, mm-hmm. which right. I think is a good way to look at it. Because if you're just stressed and you stew on it, you're not in peril. If you're stressed and you try and fix it. And then you do stupid stuff. Then you do stupid stuff. Yeah. Okay, I'm going to have to do slightly more editing on this one because I want to keep in that long pause I did when I started thinking about stuff. And usually I truncate the silences. Yeah. <laughs> and I think that it's worth it to keep it in there. But that means I have to do work. Ugh. What? I know, right? How dare I? Well, get with the program. Okay. I... You know, we never introduced ourselves on this podcast. Yeah, do you guys know who we are yet? Uh-huh. Tune in next week when we introduce ourselves. <laughs> <laughs> okay, bye. <laughs>